Thursday edition of Smith and Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. And the morning after, a big win for the Toronto Raptors in Los Angeles. A late night, early morning for you and I, Jonesy, but it's uh, that much sweeter when you're driving home at 2 a.m. Or if you're a team hopping on a bus or on a flight, the Raptors not doing that because they're staying in L.A. and getting a chance to uh, maybe relish their victory today just a little bit. But don't, uh, don't rest. You can relish, but don't rest in terms of resting on your laurels, getting set for the next game against the Clippers on Wednesday. But how about that performance last night with the victory over the Los Angeles Lakers? Toronto jumping out to a 21-2 lead. Leading from wire to wire for the victory last night. And when the dust settles, the Raptors at one point during the ball game, led by 28, the Lakers tried to go on a little bit of a run in the fourth quarter, actually got it down to single digits and ended up losing by 11. And Scotty Barnes, dominant, dominant in the first quarter, just attacking the Lakers from the jump, had a monster first quarter. Toronto burying L.A. early. And the strange thing, I suppose, is the way that this game played out, the Raptors were shooting the lights out in the first quarter, certainly in the first half. And then when things, as I said, dust settles into the game, Toronto shoots just a hair over 40%. The Lakers a little bit under 40%. So the numbers don't necessarily look great at the end of the night. But the only number that matters is 114-103, the final of that ball game. And because of the work that they did early, the Raptors, because of how dominant they were, they were able to ride out some of the rougher patches and the second half, as I mentioned, that perhaps wasn't as strong. Siakam finishing 27 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists. Scotty Barnes with 21, 9, and 5 points, rebounds, assists. And Gary Trent, who started the game 1 of 8, then went 6 of 11 and finished with a team-high 28 points adding five rebounds, three assists. Fred Van Vliet back in the lineup uh, after missing a game against Denver, 11 points, seven rebounds, seven assists. And Jonesy, impressive to say the least that this team now, in the midst of this six-game road trip, has ripped off four straight and has a chance to go 5-1 and one tomorrow against the Clips. That's pretty good, huh? And <clears throat> we've talked about it, E, and, and we've, I, I know me in particular has, has hammered home the point that there's a fine line between good and bad <clears throat> in the NBA. You're, 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 it's that close. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were giving the Raptors, you know, oh, losing to Orlando, losing to Detroit. And, you know, even in Twitter, somebody hit us on the comments. Well, it doesn't matter how well they play. They still can't beat Detroit. Okay, well, we'll see Detroit in the playoffs. Oh, actually, no, we won't. So, um, you know, and, and to your point about getting out to an early lead, the Raptors have won, what are they now, 38? They've got 38 wins. 26 of those wins have come when leading after the first quarter. They are sub-500. They are 30, a 30% 30 winning team when they trail after the first quarter. So a good start's important. 26-10 and 10 when they lead after the first, 25-7 and seven at half, and 31-5. and five after three quarters so it tells you the start's important and and you know the lakers looked like a team that have the well we can let's let's try to turn it on mentality and as i said in, in our in our vlog yesterday it's not about that mentality because you can't have that you can't beat a team like the raptors 
with a turn it on, turn it off mentality because they have it turned on. They play hard habitually. And, and, and you know, when the Lakers were down in the fourth quarter and, and doing all they could to try and come back, I'm sure some Raptor fans were worried. Honestly, I wasn't worried because they're the kind of team that if you play hard against them, they're used to playing hard. They're going to play harder. And they're going to make fewer mistakes playing at that level of intensity than you will if you're not used to doing that. How many times did the Lakers make passes when a guy was cutting and they thought he was just going to stand there and wait for the ball and they threw it away? That's chemistry. That's, you know, that, that cut, I can guarantee you, that cut hasn't been made all the time. If that cut is made all the time, then the guy passing the ball knows, well, he's going to cut. And again, it's chemistry, but it's also the effort and, 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 and playing hard that is a habit. And the Lakers just, they haven't established that habit together. And I, I, I wasn't worried when they were making, you know, that little bit of a run at the end. Jonesy, when you talk about the habits as well, one of the things that stood out to me, and I addressed this with you during the broadcast, and, and like it's impossible to know for sure watching from a distance and not following the Lakers every single day, but the body language didn't look great on a lot of guys, but especially on their top guy. Like LeBron James, and I understand it. I'm, not, I'm, I'm honestly not being critical of it. I get it, but it's certainly not a good thing. When your star, your leader, he was slumped shoulders, head down, shoulders down, frown face, angry face, barking at teammates, throwing balls, I thought, a little too aggressively, at Raptor rookie Scotty Barnes, barking at the officials, which I know he does, but it just seemed like there was a little extra venom, anger, frustration, intensity behind a lot of what LeBron did last night. Even at one point in the game, and I know our guy George, regular listener, hit, hit me up. I didn't have a chance to get back to him yet, but... Talking about that time, Jonesy, after I believe, was it Scotty Barnes that, that or was it Precious Achua that got an offensive rebound? Uh, the three bounces? Yeah, and then he slammed the ball into the ground three times right in front of the official. Like, I guess because that wasn't directed at the Raptors or at the officials, it wasn't deemed the tech, but still, he was, he was outwardly expressing his frustration a bunch. And how many times, at least three that I can think of last night, were not just the Lakers, LeBron himself had a turnover because of a miscommunication with a player that he was passing to that left his spot on the floor. And you know for sure that there's one guy that knows the plays and knows the playbook, it's LeBron James. And if other dudes are missing spots and, and not knowing the plays properly, it's just burning and stewing and stewing and burning. And, it's, and I, I thought he was outwardly expressing it a lot last night, a lot more than perhaps we've seen in other games and other instances this season. Of course. Because they are, what are they now? They, they don't have 30 wins yet. We're into the middle of March, and they, they, have they pierced the 30-win threshold? I don't know. I haven't even looked at the standings there. Well, they're 10 they're, games below 500 at 29 and 39. Yeah, 29 and 39. Like, they, like they're, they're, they're 25 games away from the Phoenix Suns in first place. Like they're, <laughs> you know, uh, you know they, they, they are not a good team right now, and LeBron's not used to that. And look, I, I admire him for <clears throat> continuing to work hard and putting up the numbers he's putting up. And there's a frustration level there, and it's showing. And he hasn't had this very often. He hasn't had this very often. He had it in Cleveland when he was a young player. But since he left Cleveland, he's always been on winning teams and had people around him 
that could do things needed to get wins. He thought he had that this year. He doesn't. And the frustration is coming through. And and that and that's that's what you're seeing. And you know, <clears throat> in in the GOAT discussion, hey man, you talk to people who were teammates with Michael Jordan. That's what Michael was like, especially early on. That's that's what he was like. So um you know, it's it, it happens. It it happens when you're a good player and you're used to winning and the frustration level gets high, you start you start barking. I, I you can we can debate whether it's right or wrong, but it's going to happen. And some people will say, well, that's him holding his teammates accountable and telling them there are things that they have to do. Yeah, there, it is. Some people will say, oh, he's you know he's frustrated and but he, yeah, he is. But mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily make it wrong. But it's there isn't there is an overt outward display, no question. So let, let's talk a little bit about that that play because you and I addressed it during the broadcast. I thought it was worse than you. Uh, in terms of LeBron James in the corner right in front of his own bench, saving the ball, going out of bounds, and throwing it off of Scotty Barnes. And, and Jonesy, again, you've played at a higher level than I have. I just looked at that play, and it's, again, hard to read from a distance, the intent, the true body language, et cetera, et cetera. But I also don't know that the footage lies. And I've seen guys a million times, as have you, probably two million times, saving a ball out of bounds, trying to throw it off a guy's leg, off his back, off his backside, off his foot, somehow, some way, to try and save the possession for his team, save the ball for his team. I'm not sure if I've ever seen it thrown with the intensity, I can't think of a better word, the velocity at which LeBron threw that ball. And also, and again, I know you're flying out of bounds, into your own bench, you're maybe not specifically or intently throwing it at his gut, his crotch, his face, whatever. You're just, you know, wheeling around midair, trying to throw it down. But that looked pretty intense, pretty intentional to me, what LeBron did. And I know I'm not the only one that thought that way. A lot of fans reacted the same way. It, 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 it's making its rounds on social media for what that's worth. The clip is out there a ton. And I think the other thing that was brought up and I didn't necessarily think a whole lot of it in real time, but in, upon looking back at it, was that the kind of play that somebody should have run over to sort of come to the aid of Scotty Barnes? In the sense that if you watch the replay, Jonesy, when it happens, Scotty, to his credit, didn't pop off the floor upset or angry. He just sort of took it. He got up off the floor, and there's not a Raptor teammate within six, eight feet. And I just look at a play like that, and I know we even mentioned this about other plays in the, in the game last night, not that one, we, where we said, let's play role reversal. If that was LeBron James and not Gary Trent or Pascal Siakam, if that was LeBron James and Scotty Barnes did that, Jonesy, flying into the Laker bench, let alone even his own bench, and wheeled around and fired that thing out of a cannon at LeBron James's gut or midsection or crotch or face or whatever, with that type of velocity and intensity guaranteed, guaranteed there would have been issues coming from Laker teammates, and I all but guarantee there would have been a tech or at the very least a review of the play. Well, uh, let's, let, let me go to your first point. When you are, uh, and I've done it, and I've been on the receiving end, been hit in the wrong spot, uh, been hit in the head, thought I broke my nose once when the ball came off me. When you're airborne or you're doing that, you are going to use as much force as you can to throw the ball back in bounds off somebody so a the guy doesn't catch it 
B, you're hoping it hits his leg or his knee or his arm and it takes a crazy bounce and he can't get it and it goes out of bounds. What, what is heightened in your mind is possession of the ball. This is what we need to do. I didn't take it as a, a big deal. He, he went airborne. He was looking and Scotty was the first guy. LeBron was up. Scotty was on the ground and to, to throw it at him, you needed to get it down there. I, I, I like that. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it should, but I've seen it. I've been a part of it at a different level on both ends, the giving and the receiving, and it was like it was, it was an intense basketball play. I, 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 I don't see it any, as anything more than that. The second part, um, yeah, somebody could have come over to help Scotty up, uh, but saying something to LeBron, I just think at that point when, you're, when you are kicking their pants all over the arena and that's LeBron James I'm not sure you want to poke the bear and get him going like he's frustrated enough he's trying to get going you don't need anything to wake him and his teammates up so I I don't know if I would have necessarily gotten in his face but I would have gone over to help Scotty up And, and I don't know where the other Raptors were on the floor I think it was after an offensive rebound so Scotty was pursuing it over in the corner uh, and there were other guys kind of the floor was spread, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't I haven't looked at it since last night. So and I haven't really tagging been tagging the rounds on social. But I I didn't think it was as bad as everybody was making it out to be. Maybe I, I don't know. Maybe I'm getting mellow in my old age. But as a competitor, I've been on both sides of that. And it's 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 like a basketball play. And, and, and you use that kind of force to whip it off a guy. And like I said, I've been hitting the, the head, the nose, uh, you know, the privates, everywhere. And it, and it stings. And what stings more is your pride that somebody got you like that to get right. the ball back. Because the ball is possession. The ball is gold. There's one ball. There's ten dudes on the floor. Everybody wants it. So um, it, it, maybe it should. Um, it, it didn't bother me as much. I, I, like, I might look and say, like, all right, I owe you one. But I, I I don't think it's worth jumping in the guy's face for. Hmm. Just me. Okay. Yeah. Just no. Me. Hey, you're 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 entitled. You're absolutely entitled. I, I I again, I just keep going back to the velocity, the intensity, and if the roles were reversed. But I I, I hear you loud and clear, Jonesy. Let's hear from the man himself that it happened to, uh, Scotty Barnes on what happened with LeBron. Uh, I was on the floor, pushed me on the floor, and then I just saw him loading up, and I was like, oh man. Uh, so I just tried to really just cover myself so it didn't hit me in the face. Because uh, he put a lot of power into it, caught it back, and threw it. I was like, damn. Uh, really, I was just very locked into the game. Uh, really, uh, I wasn't really worried about it after. Uh, it was just in the heat of the moment. Uh, so I wasn't really worried about it. So there you go. It might be the best way to describe it. It's kind of touching on both their points. There was a lot of velocity. He saw it coming. He, he, he saw that there was going to be power behind it. He tried to protect himself, but at the end, it's like, all right, whatever, move on. Probably helped to move on the fact that the Raptors won the game and Scotty torched the Lakers in the first quarter and had another, another big performance. Uh, the Rook has been playing outstanding this season, but certainly on a different level since the All-Star break. Yeah, and, uh, and as I said, as I tweeted yesterday, you know, uh, maybe it's my Canadian... And I don't usually have one of these, having grown up on both sides of the border. 
um, because I feel we're just as good. And I've said this, I, I'll say this publicly. I've said it to our Canada basketball executive members on the board. So, it, like, I don't feel there's any country in the world that should be beating us consistently except for the U.S. And, and we're just as good. So, like, this, this complex that people have, and maybe it's bubbling to the surface with me a little because I keep hearing all this talk about, oh, Evan Mobley has the rookie of the year hands down. I heard one of our national commentators' uh, colleagues on, on, you know, the worldwide leader yesterday making a comment about at, at halftime of the Cleveland game, because I was still watching it at home before I headed into the studio, saying to one of his, his colleagues, haven't you been watching Evan Mobley's been like the rookie of the year for like the last four months? I'm like, hold on a second. If you can say that, it just tells me you just outed yourself that you have not been watching Scotty Barnes. Because he has been terrific, Eric, as you said. I'll, I'll say a couple things. It's going to be a close vote. I, I fear that people don't watch the Raptors as a story the way they watch the Cavaliers. And Mobley's a terrific player. It's going to be a close vote. But is he handling the ball, making the decisions, and contributing as much to his team's winning as Scotty is? Let the debate begin. He's certainly not, he's certainly not handling the ball and making those kinds of decisions in the open court. I have watched, and I'm not going to say I've watched every Cavs game. He's a great defender, particularly in the paint. But does he do it out in the perimeter? Scotty's out there too. And and when you know, I I, I pulled up some of the the stats yesterday in terms of uh, the comparison of of Mobley and and Barnes scoring. Scotty 15-2, Mobley 15-1. Blocks, Mobley 1-7, Scotty 0.8. Steals, Scotty 1-2, Mobley 0-9. Assists, Scotty 3-3, Mobley 2-6. And rebounding, Mobley 8-3, Scotty 7-6. Like it's it's a a wash right there. So let's look at some of the other stuff, the the stuff that the numbers in the eye test can't show you. And and I look at is, is Mobley always guarding the other team's one of the other team's best players on the perimeter i don't know i haven't watched enough cavalier games to know that i haven't because i'm a, a raptor broadcaster and i'm watching them at times when cleveland is playing and i can bet some of our colleagues are watching cleveland at times when the raptors are also playing and not getting the full picture of scotty barnes is mobley handling the ball on the perimeter and making plays like that is is his intuitive uh, feel for the game the same as Scotty's. I don't know. It might be, but I'm telling you, it's going to be a close vote. It's going to be a close vote. I don't care if they went Grant Hill, uh, uh, Jason Kidd, two, circa 2002 or whatever it was, 2000, what, like, split it. If they gave mm-hmm. it both to them, they split the award, I'd be okay with that too. Didn't Elton Brand split an award with somebody? I believe he did, yeah. I believe he did. I don't know. I, I, I'm old. It all runs together. I'll have to look that up. Uh, you're not that old, Jonesy. Come on, you keep saying you're old. You're not. You're not that old. Uh, he shared it with Steve Francis, I believe, wasn't it? I think it was. I think it was Steve Francis back in 2000. I think. Okay. I'm almost positive that was the case. Almost positive. Fact check me, not Jonesy. Jonesy said he's old. I'm. I'm a little bit younger. Not too much younger though. I'm pretty sure it was. It was Steve Francis back in 2000 with Elton Brand. Um, more on Scotty Barnes. 
but this time from oh lance just buzzed in i'm correct all right there i, I thought i smelled smoke so my brain is still working um nick nurse on scotty barnes and just playing through the hits last night against la played like he's been playing and you know what i mean he, he's he's taking it in there and and being assertive i i thought uh you know i'm not sitting here crying about anything but i thought he got hit on about five or six of those he could have he could have he could have easily shot 10 free throws on top of this tonight i thought so but but again he's been he's been coming back um i think it was at the last game or two games he got two shots to the face you know big hard shots to the face and bounced back up and stayed in he's been he's been playing through the hits and playing more physical especially for his age he's playing about as physical as anybody for us which is that to me is what i like i really like to see he is really showing poise beyond his years, no doubt wow. about it. Only twenty years old, and and you know, you and I, you and I were talking about even before the broadcast last night when you came in, you know, chatting about the the rookie of the year race. This was even before we hit the air, and I was saying what impresses me about his poise as well, Jonesy, is his ability to finish with either hand in the paint, and then we saw it right away in the first quarter how dominant he was, and his first twelve were all in the paint. Just going at the, didn't matter who it was. I think one was against LeBron. A couple were against Reeves. A couple were against Monk. He recognizes mis- mismatches. He knows his size, his length, and his ability to finish. Whether it's from five feet or twelve feet, he gets in the paint and he get that little baby hook going. He's got the footwork and the spin moves. Oh man, I can't wait to see what this guy looks like next season, let alone five years from now. Well, and, and Erica, uh, I'll fact check too. Grant Hill and Jason Kidd shared the award in 94-95, in and you were right. It was uh, Steve Francis and Elton Brand in 99-2000. Um, to your point against Scotty, uh, about Scotty, and I'll say this, and I continue to harp on this point. In a day and age when kids are coming out one and done, and, you know, back in the day, you'd get a player, a four-year senior from... Uh, you know, a college program who had been taught basketball, knew a little bit about life on a college campus and was growing into a, an adult. Now you're picking kids who are, you know, 19, 20. They, they, were, at the, they were at the prom, uh, you know, the year before their draft. And, and somebody's taught Scotty Barnes how to play. Like he understands the game. Somebody's taught him about sharing the ball and making good passes and taking good shots and rebounding and defending somebody's somebody's taught him that somebody's taught him told him that he has to do that but there are other kids that don't do that they don't pass the ball ahead they don't hit an open teammate they take it themselves they take bad shots in this culture of i'm going to get mine he stands out because he understands he's a throwback to playing the game properly in a different era. And I'm not saying that the game isn't played properly now. I'm just saying it's evolved where, you know, things don't look the way they used to. He makes them look the way they used to. He doesn't settle for jump shots on the perimeter when he's open. Oh, I'll take this. And a shot that you can get any time. No, he gets into the paint with the intention of scoring. And if he doesn't score, then he kicks it out. He doesn't always peel back on defense. He hits the offensive glass. Like, I can get that. And it's when he goes to the offensive glass, he usually gets it. It's not one of those where he tries to get it, he doesn't get it, and now he's out of position for defensive transition. 
So I, I, I'm, I'm on that. I'm on that big. I watch him play, and I, I shake my head like, he's 20? He, really, he's 20? Because he's playing like he's 26 or 27, and he's been playing the game for a lot longer than he really has. All right, let's jump back to Scotty Barnes and hear from him, seeing as we're talking so much about him. Uh, just chatting post-game about playing in L.A. against the Lakers for the first time. How do I enjoy to play games like this? Yes. Um, of course, it's a, it's a big game uh, coming into this arena, uh, playing in front of his fans, the crowd, uh, a legendary uh, basketball team, really. Uh, so it's just coming in, just locking in, Really just trying to stick to the game plan and just really just trying to keep pushing every possession that matters at this point uh, and just keep our keep it rolling for us, really. All right, there is Scotty Barnes. Again, the performance last night for Scotty, 21 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists in the ballgame, dominant in the first quarter. Um, Pascal Siakam, uh, another, another big performance from him, 27 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists. He has been on a tear since the All-Star break as well. Uh, other than maybe one game, one little dip perhaps, if it's even fair to call it that, and playing at an all-star level but an all-NBA level uh, over the course of this season. And uh, 9 of 17 from the floor last night, 7 of 10 at the stripe. Uh, he was another guy, even though he got to the line 10 times, that I think could have probably had at least three or four more in terms of the amount of times that he got hit, took an elbow from LeBron James last night as well. Uh, after the ball game, here's Pascal on his consistency of late. Um, I just just continue to work, continue to work hard. Um, came came back after the break, you know. Um, got sick a little bit, you know. I, I get get time to get in my rhythm. Um, I'm feeling good. Um, just continuing to play off my teammates and and just adapting to every situation, you know. Like our team, we, we've been through a lot, but we continue to fight every single day. And and, and for me, it's just trying to be a leader and, and trying to find ways to impact the game. And no, that wasn't at the podium. There wasn't a band playing in the press conference room or something. That was Pascal post game on the Sportsnet broadcast <laughs> with Amy Otterberg. Uh, back to the press conference, though, the, uh, the press room. Uh, one more comment from uh, apparently my favorite guy. I've been, I've been painted as, as this Vogel hater, probably because of all of our conversations with uh, Dan Wojcicki from the LA Times over the course of the season. And I'm not. I'm just shocked that the man is still standing. How many times in pro sports, and I know I sound like a broken record here, but how many times in pro sports do we see, and all sports, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, NFL, when the team is struggling and there isn't a trade or can't, a trade can't be done, for whatever reason, personnel can't be changed, it is always the coach. Like 99% of the coach, excuse me, 99% of the time, it's the coach that is taking the heat. That's the, that's the bullet that gets fired by the general manager. I'm going to save my butt by taking out yours. I'm shocked, Jonesy, like legitimately shocked. And I'm not saying it's deserving, not saying that he should have. I'm just saying I'm shocked it didn't happen, that here we are on March 15th with the Lakers 10 games below 500. Yes, I know they've had injuries, but still with the talent they have, 10 below 500, and he's still the head coach. I know it's not going to happen now. It'd be pointless with a month left in the season. Maybe I should be impressed that the Lakers stood by him and not shocked, but I'm surprised that Frank Vogel is still there standing. And here's uh, his comment, one of his comments after the ballgame, just talking about the fight in his team. Yeah, our guys stuck with the game, and they keep fighting. And, they're, they're, you know, they keep fighting through a tough season. And we're not letting go of the rope. You know, we do keep getting down. But it's, uh, you know, it's from, you know, not, not, not making those shots, not executing well enough. But our guys are still fighting. 
you know, and uh, I think there was a, a shot where we, we had a chance to cut it to six with a, you know, I think a minute left or a minute and a half left. Yep. I mean, so we're right there, you know, uh, so our, our, our guys stayed in the fight the whole, the whole game. They got down and, um, you know, didn't let go of the rope. He, he is right. It, it did get a little bit uh, yeah. you know, tense late in the ballgame because you said earlier you weren't concerned about the Raptors giving up the lead, but it was, a, I believe, Mello with an open look from the near sideline that could have cut it to six, as Vogel said, with a minute left. And to go from being down 28 in the third quarter to potentially being down two possessions with a minute left, they did keep scratching and clawing, but uh, just not enough because they were so flat for other chunks, major chunks of the evening. Yeah, uh, and, and, you know, like you said, like I said before, uh, bad habits, uh, didn't play hard, uh, you know, got off to a poor start, and, and Toronto jumps out to the lead. Now their margin of error is very, very slim. And they did. They did hang with it. They did work hard. And I'll say this, Eric, uh, they come in here Friday night to play the Raptors. Uh, they'll remember. So it's going to be... Uh, let's say, intense on Friday when the Lakers come to Scotiabank Arena to take on the Raptors. No doubt about that, Jonesy. Before that, though, it's a game tomorrow against the Los Angeles Clippers and a chance for the Raptors to go 5-1 and one on this road trip. And we should mention as well two things, actually. Uh, well, maybe, maybe more than two. One, and I said this to you on the vlog last night and, and, and during the broadcast, the win was extra big for the Raptors in that they stay within a game of the Cavs Cleveland won last night in overtime over the Clippers. So now L.A. hops on a flight and comes back home, making the West Coast trip. So Toronto gets the Clips on that first game back. That's a scheduled win on paper, but you got to go take care of business now and actually do it, get it done. Also big that the Raptors won on a night when both the Hawks and the Hornets picked up victories. So they keep their distance over both of those teams, a four-game lead over the Hawks, and a four-and-a-half game lead over the Hornets in terms of 9-10, now three up on the Brooklyn Nets. But the other thing I want to quickly mention before we take the break, we're going to have Michael Grains joining us from Sportsnet. Highlights from last night outside of the Raptors game. Denver beats Philly 114-110, a battle of the two potential MVP candidates in Jokic and Embiid. Milwaukee wins in Utah by six. And how about Minnesota and San Antonio? Normally one that you wouldn't necessarily circle, but the Timberwolves now are 10 games above 500. So much like the Raptors in terms of what Toronto is doing in the East, uh, with the Raptors sitting eight games above 500 as the seventh seed, Minnesota 10 games above 500 and still not locked into the playoffs as the seventh seed at 40 and 30. And Carl Anthony Towns with 60 points last night on 19 of 31 added 17 rebounds with his 60 points. The first big to do 60 and 15 since Shaquille O'Neal. What a performance. He had 32 in a quarter last night. In a quarter. Unbelievable. That's, uh, that's, that's pretty solid. Uh, that is pretty solid. Um, and the Timberwolves, hey, give Chris Finch some credit. He got there uh, partway through last year. Uh, it it was uh, it was difficult the transition in a difficult year, and oh what a difference a year makes being able to have a training camp, uh, an off season with your guys to extol your philosophy and how you want to play and give them 
opportunities to have it and then get the buy-in because I'd like to see them in a seven-game series. I hope they don't, you know, lose out in the play-in. That would be that would that would be wrong, but uh, it could happen. But give Chris Finch uh, credit, and and man, he's got those guys playing. All right, let's step aside for a couple moments. When we come back, we'll be joined by our colleague Michael Grange from Sportsnet on Smith and Jones. Covering the Raptors in depth like no one else. The Raptor Show with Will Lou. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Smith and Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Subscribe to Smith and Jones. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and review as well. The Raptors coming off their victory last night over the L.A. Lakers, getting set for the Clippers tomorrow. Chance to go 5-1 and one on this road trip. And joining us on the line right now to chat about the Raptors and, well, the trip to L.A. and a whole lot more from Sportsnet, sportsnet.ca, Michael Grange. Michael, thanks for the time as always. Thanks for having me on, guys. Hey, Michael, um, one of your latest pieces, and you can check it out, folks, at sportsnet.ca, uh, chatting about LeBron James and his reign and his, uh, I mean, his his dominance in the league, his dominance over the Raptors over the years, et cetera. But, man, oh, man, it has not been dominant for LeBron and the Lakers over the last, uh, what, 10 games now. Saw kind of a funny stat, I suppose. The Lakers are 2-8, and eight, but they're 0-10 oh when LeBron doesn't score 50. Like, this, this team... Is all LeBron or bust at this point? If he doesn't do something special, this team looks like an absolute train wreck, and the Raptors saw it firsthand last night. Yeah, it's not a very good team, and of course, you know, the the question goes, well, how did it not become not a good team? And LeBron has to bear some responsibility for that, uh, given, you know, the numerous and hard-to-refute reports that he had as much to do with how that roster was put together than anybody um, but it's interesting, too. Like, I mean, he's playing at a very high level, certainly offensively. But, you know, there's just so many instances where you can see his frustration really showing uh, either in kind of fits of temper, like I think he did with Scotty Barnes a couple of times yesterday, or him just simply not getting back defensively. And I think it's – um you know, it's, it's going to be really fascinating to see how this clears up. Because if you look at this is basically his fourth his fourth full year in L.A., uh, the first two years didn't go – sorry, the first year didn't go very well. And, you know, he basically was trying to trade half his roster. And you had, you know, all the young guys kind of looking over their shoulders the whole time. And, and I don't think that was a very healthy environment. Didn't look great on LeBron, in my opinion. Uh, they won – in the bubble, which pretty darn impressive, all things considered. But then this last year was kind of a mess, and this year's worse, <laughs> right? And um, it's going to be interesting to see if he can kind of uh, emerge from this and end his career on, a, on an upswing, his, you know, his statistical numbers, statistical contributions aside. A great point, Michael. Uh, it, it is. It, and, and we know the way LeBron operates in kind of a, 
hold you over the balcony type fashion, right? He never signs long-term deals. It's always like a year or two here or there, and you better prove it to me, and you better make me feel good, and you better have the right guys in here, or else I'm going to leave. And there's always that threat. When I think about what's happening in L.A. now, and people made a lot over what he talked about um, at the All-Star break when it was back in Cleveland and heaping the praise on the young Cavaliers. Let's, let's speculate here. Is there any chance he, the Lakers being the great franchise and historic, iconic franchise that they are, is there any chance that at some point he says, you know what, I'm done with this. Um, if I left Miami, I can leave L.A.? Um, I guess the short answer would be I don't know. Uh, but, I mean, there is a logistical maneuver. I mean, I think there is a window that Cleveland could make a play for LeBron. I don't know exactly how the salary cap pieces line up, but um, they could make a play with LeBron with cap space and not having to tear apart their young core, which, of course, they don't want to do. Um, and then, you know, the other real leverage LeBron has is if he is just to go into free agency, which isn't next year, would be the year after. Sorry, not this summer, the summer from now. He's got another year on his deal. Is would be to, to go and play somewhere for a mid-level. Just go, you know what, I've made a bajillion dollars. I'm going to make a bajillion more. Um, let me go pick a spot that I can land in that would be good for me. And I think, as he talked about in Cleveland, would could conceivably be good for his son, Bronny. Um, you know, and I, and, I, and I think, you know, you take this big picture, and when LeBron James does leave the game, and who knows when that's going to be, because the guy's clearly got a lot of miles left, um, we're going to miss him, because he has been a story machine, a drama machine. Like, forget the excellence, which is obviously impossible to forget, and is why we pay attention, but you know, it has been literally since he turned about 16 and became, you know, was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. It has been one storyline after another, and I don't know what the NBA is going to do without him. But, uh, you know, and then and the end of it, I think, could be the most compelling yet. Like I said, how he somehow manages either to right the ship in, in L.A. or find himself somewhere that he can play with Bronny if that's possible. And, uh, you know, you never bet against that guy, you know, authoring one more just incredible uh, send-off to his career. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, and we're forgetting the fact he's going to end up the NBA's all-time leading scorer and lead just about everything else. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's just an amazing, <laughs> it's a career like any other, unlike any other. So, Michael, let me ask you this. You just kind of touched on a little bit. Again, we're talking with Michael Grange from Sportsnet. Make no mistake, I absolutely get that the goal is still and the pinnacle is still the championship and, and win as many championships as possible. But do you think at all, without I'm assuming without even having a chance to ask him this specifically and talk to LeBron, do you think that maybe the goal has changed slightly in his mind where, yes, the championship is still there, but the very close 1A, 1B, or the very close number two is simply how can I still be in prime condition and align myself wherever it may be, Cleveland or otherwise, L.A. or otherwise, the goal now is to play with Bronny for at least a season. As much as I want to win a title and I want to go out still on a high and not fizzle out, is the goal, you think, even more so to have that chance to play with his kid? 
I think he can't be overlooking titles. I mean, it's just I th- put it this way: if, if he has a, a year, I think Bronny can't come out at least for two more years, right? He's got another year of high school and another year of, of uh, you know, if he is one and done at college. And keep in mind, he is a good prospect. I don't think he's, you know, he's he's you know he's not top ten in his class right now or anything. So let's just say he does come out in two years. I mean, LeBron can't waste these two years. Like, he can't. I think if his time in L.A. is one title in the bubble uh, and four years of tumult and chaos, I think it'll stick to him a little bit. Like, it won't matter. Like, he's still 1A, 1B with Michael Jordan. But... um, you know, I don't think it, his career. I think his career deserves better, and, and I certainly don't think he's sacrificing titles or the opportunity to win titles or the focus on titles because him being LeBron, I'm sure he believes he can do everything because he always has. Um, and in some ways, the easiest thing to maneuver, Eric, would be the situation with Bronny. Um, it's just either a matter of you know whatever team signs him, you know, or drafts him, LeBron can go there for mid-level or veteran minimum. So, you know, that that's a simple one to solve. But, you know, another couple of years like the one this one has been or last year, it's, it's going to be tough to stomach. And, and again, we, you know, you only, you only watched them last night, but you've seen the highlights since this, I think they're 3-12 and 12 now in their past 15. And there's a lot of LeBron walking, a lot of LeBron being mad, a lot of LeBron – just the negative overall vibe and um you know i don't think anyone wants to go through another couple of years like that we might have lost jonesy we'll get him back into the mix in a couple of seconds here as we're chatting with michael grange from sportsnet raptors getting set for the clippers tomorrow fresh off that win over lebron and the lakers yesterday toronto now four and one on this road trip after dropping the first and now ripping off four straight go ahead jonesy sorry it was the 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 dreaded mute button um as i was clicking away googling some stuff um michael to your comment about the game surviving, it will survive because a young Paul Jones had no idea how the game was going to survive when, when Wilt left and when Kareem left and then, you know, more into your time when Magic left and then when Michael left. I, I, I don't know if we're going to get the greatness that was those players that I just mentioned, but um, there, there will be somebody else and the, and the game will survive. But you're right, we're going to miss all of the stuff around LeBron. And... You know, speaking to him and Bronny, uh, thinking legacy, uh, the fact that he's trying to become the all-time leading scorer and, as you say, 1A, 1B in the conversation with Michael. Hey, he's the kind of guy that's thinking, I just don't want to play with Bronny. I want to win a title. I want to hold the Larry O'Brien trophy with with Bronny, too. I, I, I think that would be kind of lofty because of... You know, the way he is and the age he will be. I mean, he's showing right now that he still can't do everything. And to your point, Michael, uh, and I, I love your comment on this, about him experiencing the frustration right now, somebody's got to get to him and say, it's not helping the situation. The, your outward body language, uh, the, the confidence that you're taking away from your teammates when you do that stuff. Not that you can't hold them accountable, but you also have to prop them up too, don't you? 
Oh, I agree. I agree. I think, and, and we've seen this from LeBron a couple of times in his career when he gets in situations that, um, you know, aren't unfolding maybe the way he would like. And and I think he'd be, look, he's, he's maybe on the floor, uh, one of the great teammates of all time, just because of, you know, he really always looks to make the right basketball play over and over again. And, and I think we've seen that since he was a rookie. Um, and I do, and I think off the floor, he's always been a really good teammate too. Like I, I remember doing stories on him way back in his first time in Cleveland and talking to vets and guys just saying, look, the kid gets it. He sees, it. you know, all the right stuff, but I, he does have a little grumpy old man going with him right now. And yes. you can understand yes. why, <laughs> um, but you know, and that is, that is kind of like a veteran thing, right? Like, I mean, you know, the, you've seen so many things you've, you've, experience yeah. all the highs you know what it what's missing and it's it's it is a challenge i think you make a great point there paul is it's a challenge to not get a little bitter when things aren't going exactly your way um and um it's easy to check out sometimes because your situation isn't threatened right like you're gonna get paid you're gonna you know you you're fine but you're, it does have an impact. And I thought last night, as an example, the Lakers were way better when James checked out. And all of a sudden they went really young and, and uh, you know, there was some energy on the floor. The defensive intensity picked up. They just played kind of that scrappy style, a little bit like the Raptors play so often. And that's, that stand they made defensively in the second quarter was what kind of got, kept them in the game anyway. Um, you know, LeBron almost rescued them at the end, but yeah, I mean, he's, like I said, I mean, you can understand all of it. LeBron has to wear some of it. Um, but, again, I, I think he might get a pass this year, but if you have another season where he's kind of – people already saying, look, he's just looking to get his 30 a night so he can catch Kareem, you know, that's that's not – that would be a shame if that's how the last couple of years of LeBron's career went down because he's been way too great for that. Michael, we appreciate the time as always. Uh, thanks for joining us, and I guess we'll see you in the uh, in the building on Friday night when the Lakers and Raptors do it again. All the best. Okay, guys, take care. Thanks. Thanks, Michael. There is Michael Grange from Sportsnet, and check out his latest at sportsnet.ca as well. Before that game on Friday at Scotiabank Arena, one more on the road for the Raptors as they have stayed in L.A. Uh, getting set for the Clippers tomorrow night. And as I noted earlier in the show, Jonesy, that's a game where the Clippers are at home for the first time after a road trip and making the cross-country flight as they played against the Cavs last night and lost and now head back home. So the Raptors will be sitting pretty, waiting for the Clips and uh, a chance to maybe jump on the other L.A. team and go 5-1 and one on this road trip. And I'll reference again, as I said to you yesterday, when we hit the air with the show yesterday, what a difference a week makes. A week ago today, we were thinking the Raptors have lost three in a row where at least two of those three were winnable ball games on paper at the very least. They're now three back of the Cavaliers. They're going into a game against the Spurs where they might be in the record books as Pop might set the, the all-time wins uh, record against the Raptors. And oh boy, and here we are a week later. You're only a game back of the Cavs. You're in the midst of a four-game winning streak, and you got a chance to go 5-1 and one on a six-game road trip. What a difference seven days can make. 
the, the fine line, E, the fine line. And, and just to tag what Michael was saying at the end um, about LeBron being a vet and seeing it all and experiencing it all. Hey, man, we heard about how difficult a teammate Michael Jordan could be, right? We, yeah. We've, we've heard those stories. I mean, punching Steve Kerr and, you know, the, the frustration about wanting to win and needing more from his teammates and stuff. So, um that's the uh, that's the price of that's the price of greatness, and you know I say it all the time. Sometimes when you're great, you're not balanced, and that's okay, and that's totally okay. I'm talking about just sports or life in general, because I feel like I'm imbalanced, Jonesy. But does that mean I'm yeah, I'm, life in I'm, general? I'm still have a chance Sometimes to be great. You, <laughs> yeah, always. E, come on, man. Every morning you get up and you tell yourself, "This is it. Today's the day. I'll keep pounding the rock and." The rock cracks open today, man. That's that's the attitude. All right. We'll be pounding the rock again tomorrow at 11 a.m. with another edition of Smith & Jones. Make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate, review, download, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. Again, back on Wednesday, it'll be another game day for the Raptors as they get set for the Clips. Have a good one, folks.